Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, something strange happened this past Thursday, which I imagine uh, most of us have a lot of stories that begin with something strange happened this week because it seems like um, there's always something strange going on. But it was this was something that was particularly strange for me because all of a sudden, all of the baseball writers that I like to follow, all of the, the people who write about baseball started almost at the same time uh, freaking out. They started tweeting and posting articles, and, and I thought, oh, man, what's going on? Is, is there some announcement about the baseball season attorney? What's going on? And so I, you know, allowed myself to be distracted for a few minutes from whatever else I was working on and found out exactly what was going on. Was there a big announcement? Was spring training restarting? Were we going to do something? What was going to happen? Oh, no, no, no. None of that. What was happening was the Rakuten Monkeys and the Uni Lions were going into extra innings. These two teams are a part of the Chinese Professional Baseball League, which plays in Taiwan, and they were playing a game in front of an empty stadium filled only with, and I cannot make this up, robot fans who would stand up and hold up pre-written signs And players were playing to this empty stadium filled with only robots, and the game was going to extra innings. I didn't quite understand what day this was taking place, but it seemed like it was live, because I don't understand how the international dateline works. But there we were, all tuning our internet browsers in to watch the Rakuten Monkeys and the Uni Lions play their extra innings of baseball. Why? Why? Why was I watching bad single-A-level baseball from around the world with robot fans? Why were other people freaking out about it? I think the reason why is because it felt almost normal. It was... It was almost normal. And right now, what many of us are feeling is this deep longing for normal. This deep sense in which I wish things were the way that they were three months ago. That's all we can kind of think of. All we can kind of think about because, because, because right now we look around and we see all this and we're stressed out by the consequences of all this and we're worried about the long-term effects of all this. And so what we do is we want to distract ourselves. We want to distract ourselves with anything that feels normal, or anything that helps us forget that we're in the midst of a tragedy that ought to be grieved. 
that we're in the midst of something that makes us want to cry out, to lament. Because if we don't distract ourselves, for most of us what happens is the creeping dread comes back. That sort of feeling that is lurking in the back of our minds. It's fear of short-term stuff. How, how am I going to make it another week with my kids in my house? It's fear of long-term stuff. Is my business going to make it? Am I going to have a job on the other end of this? And so what happens is the more we give into and dwell on these fears, the more comfort seems unattainable. Church, we're in exile. And and not just us, but everybody. In a very real sense, we are living exiled from one another and exiled from so many of the things in this world. And what I want to do this morning is, is read to you something that the prophet Isaiah wrote to the people of Israel while they were in exile while they were apart, while they were afraid. What does God have to say to us while we're in exile? I think it's something pretty similar to what he had to say to the people of Israel. So if you have your Bibles, I might encourage you to open up to Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, If you can't do that because your your Bible is typically an app on the device that you're watching from, that's okay. Um, We'll have it on the screen behind me. Uh, But we're going to read Isaiah 43, and and we're going to read together the first seven verses. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba, I in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored And I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. City Church, this is the word of God, written nearly 3,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. Isaiah's message is a message of comfort. But here's the thing, church. The comfort that God wants to offer to us often seems out of reach. It seems beyond our grasp. And the reason 
the reason why, the thing that keeps the comfort that Jesus has to offer us out of our reach is fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of loss. Fear of constraints. Fear of pain. We fixate on these fears. They're what consumes our waking thoughts. And because of that, we don't give our hearts and our minds something else to focus on. So what our minds think about is either fear or whatever we're using to distract ourselves from these things. And if and if you're like me, and that's where you found yourself over the past month, month and a half, on, on the days that seem to run together in weird ways. If you're like me, and your mind just bounces between fear and distraction, I want you to listen this morning to what God has to say. Because very interestingly, when he writes this letter to these people who are in exile, who have been removed from their homes and taken to a foreign land. He gives them two commands in this passage. Did you catch it as I read through? The two things that God tells the people in exile, gives them two commands. And here's the funny thing. They're actually the same command repeated twice. What does Isaiah say? Fear not. Fear not. Church, the message Jesus has for us this morning is fear not. Fear not. But fear is a funny thing. Fear is strangely seductive to us. I don't know of a single person who says they like being afraid. Who, who doesn't, who, who likes being afraid in a real way. Now, some people watch scary movies and they enjoy the adrenaline buzz of being terrified for a moment. But I don't know anybody who, who likes to feel the sort of dread that comes along with not knowing if everything's going to be okay. We don't like fear, yet we turn so quickly to fear. We don't like fear. We, we, we don't want that to be a part of our mindset, and yet, why do we turn so quickly to it? The reason we turn so quickly to fear is because fear is connected to our idols. It's connected to the functional gods of our hearts. We're afraid of losing the security that we think we have built by our we're afraid of losing control of our lives. We're afraid that, that we're not going to be able to be approved by the people that we want so dearly to love us. We're scared that we won't be able to have the same sort of power we have. We're afraid that things aren't going to be And then we come to this passage. God says, I am the Lord your God. I made you. 
I created you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have bought you with a price. And then he goes on to begin to describe what our life can look like if we don't fear. And he begins to talk about, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the floods, I will go with you. But this strikes very clearly at our fears. Because that's not what I want. I don't want to walk through the fire. I don't want to be overwhelmed by the flood. What I want is to not go through the fire and not go through the flood. I just want the green pastures, which don't seem to be mentioned in these verses, frustratingly to me. We want God to say, fear not, nothing bad is going to happen. That's what I want these verses to read. If I wrote the Bible, they would, this verses would say, fear not, nothing bad's going to happen, and every little thing is going to be all right. But God says, no. No, that's not the case. We want God to exist on our terms as a God who makes everything okay. But what God says is, no, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have bought you with a price. The reason why we can have hope, the reason why we can have confidence is because of the high price that God has paid. You know, it's interesting. Jesus told two parables uh, together. He told the parable of, of the pearl of great price and the treasure hidden in the field. And in both of the cases of these parables, it says that the, the man who found the pearl of great price went and sold everything he had so that he might possess that pearl. And another man who found a treasure buried in a field went and sold everything he had so that he might possess the treasure in that field. And a lot of times we like to think that this means that we should sell everything out and, and be full throttle for Jesus. But if that's what we take out of those parables, we're missing the point. Because the point of those parables is not that you're the buyer. Church, the point of those parables is that you are the pearl of great price. You are the treasure hidden in the field that Jesus has bought with the great price of his blood. So if Jesus loves you enough for you to be his treasured possession, while we will go through difficult times, we don't have to be afraid. We can be confident that if he has loved us that much, he will continue to love and care for us through this moment of exile. Fear not, I have redeemed you. And then what does Isaiah say? Fear not, for I am with you. Not only are we precious to God, but he loves us and deeply understands what we're going through. It's easy to think and to read the Bible and to think of it as so far away and so distant in time for us that what could it possibly have to do with us in this moment? But as we sort of enter 
the second-ish month, however we're keeping track of time of this, I can't help but think of Jesus, who at the very beginning of his ministry left and went and spent 40 days by himself in the desert. Jesus knows what isolation feels like. Jesus knows what loneliness feels like. He says to us, his treasured possession, I made you, I called you, I have redeemed you, and I am with you. I understand what is going on. So what should we do? What should we do in this moment? See, some of us will walk away and go, okay, here's my list. Here's the list of things I ought to do. But if you catch in this passage, there's a lot of things that describe what God has done for us, but not a lot of commands for us to do. God made us. God formed us. God called us. God loved us. Our call, what God tells us to do in this passage, is to fear not. Here's the trouble. You can't perform that. You can't achieve that. Because because to fear not is not something that we do. But it is foundationally something we believe. We've got to stop trying to work our way out of fear. We've got to stop trying to do enough good deeds that fear goes away. Because church, that's never going to happen. The comfort that Jesus offers us The way through the fear that Jesus offers us is the path of confidence in him. That he understands us, that he has given himself for us. And just as he protected the people of Israel and brought them out of Egypt, just as he protected the people of Israel and brought them out of Babylon, out of exile in Babylon, Jesus is going to protect us and take us out of the exile that we are feeling in this moment. What God has done before, God will do again for us. And he does that all for his glory, for his name's sake, so that he is the one who is lifted up. Now, if you're joining us this morning, that's probably the biggest stumbling block you've heard so far if you're not a Christian. That all of this, And when I say all of this, I mean like all of this is happening to make God's name great. That's that's tough to believe. Because if you're not a Christian, I think it's, it's understandable for you to ask the question, if God is so powerful, why does he even exist? Why do any bad things happen? Why isn't this all bliss? What's interesting is that while the Bible does say that this happens for God's glory, it doesn't give us the details to the answer of that question. If it, w- if it did, it would have saved a lot of arguing for the past 4,000 years. But it doesn't. But here's the crazy thing. 
The fact that God is in control and bringing glory to himself is not the hardest thing to believe in this passage. And that's a big one. The fact that God is in control and is bringing himself glory is not the hardest thing to believe. The hardest thing to believe in this passage, the hardest thing to believe is that he loves fearful and anxious people like you and me. That we are precious in his sight. That he loves us with a deep and abiding love. And not only that, but that he was willing to pay a price for us. You know, it's interesting in the middle of the passage that I read, it talks about Egypt and Cush and all these different places. And he says, I'm going to give them for your ransom. And and in the context, what he's talking about is when the Persians uh, destroyed Egypt and destroyed Cush and gave the people of Israel back their land when Cyrus allowed them to return. But in many ways, that is a symbol and a sign of what Jesus was going to do for us. Jesus was given in our place at the price of our redemption. That God did not slay his enemies that we might know him because we were his enemies, because of our lack of faith. But rather, Jesus willingly died and paid the price of his blood so that you and I might be redeemed and might be able to experience the presence And so Jesus redeems us. Jesus is with us. And this is the thing that chases out our fears. Not by getting rid of trials. Not by making this all go away. But by reminding us the confidence that we can have in him. Reminding us that we can be confident that the God who brought Egypt out of Israel Israel out of Egypt. The God who brought Israel back from exile. Who brought Jesus back from the dead. Will bring us out of this. May not look the same on the other side. Things will probably be different. We can't predict what that means. But you know what we can know? What we can know for sure. What we can have sure confidence in? Jesus loves us, has redeemed us, and is with us. And that's where our confidence is. You see, the opposite of fear is confidence and trust in the goodness of God. So for some of us this morning, as we are changed by that, we need to see God more readily, to be more confident in him by seeing the ways that he has loved us, by reflecting on the ways that he loves us in Scripture. But others of us, Others of us need to grow in being the same kind of presence for our community. How can we be present when we are so distant? How can we be the calm, non-anxious presence in the city of St. Petersburg, even though we are distant? As we reflect on the way that God has loved us, may we begin to see that in our lives. Let's pray.